I believe in God even when God is silent. Was the last verse. Well, he's here. He's arrived. See, we got all white candles. Jesus is born. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Thank you. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes it doesn't feel like he's here. Sometimes it feels like, so what? Sometimes it feels like I went through all of this, and this is it, the same old thing. What do I do? And sometimes we don't even know what it is that it feels like. Blue Christmas, historically, and it has a short history of Blue Christmas services, is generally occurs on the longest night, which is usually around the 21st of December. It's a time where pain and sorrow and grief and loss can be felt overwhelmingly throughout the time. I appreciate that the, that, uh, the pastor and the staff here offered us the opportunity to share this with you on a Sunday. I don't know if very many people would come out on the 21st to hear about grief and loss and death and pain and suffering and anger. So I appreciate that you're here on this gloomy, rainy, cold day. God, you're, you're pretty good at orchestrating things, aren't you? <laughs> It's not that I'm inherently adverse to twinkle, twinkle, little star. I mean, uh, twinkling lights and Christmas carols and, you know, presents. I like presents um, and all of that. But, you know, sometimes I just don't feel it. I just don't want it. There's something that drains me rather than energizes me. And I just want it to be silent. Reverend Jonna, we're going to do something a little bit different as we twist things around. And Reverend Jonna is going to share some stories about what it feels, what this time of year feels like for her at this time. Hmm. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes death will be no more no more mourning no more crying no more pain i may have believed that many years ago when i thought christmas was just the best time of the year and I would stay up all night waiting for Santa Claus. But this time of the year gives me mixed feelings. In the past few years, we've had to put down several of our dogs at year's end. 
And so when Christmas comes around, I can't help but think of them and shed some tears. And then in 2007, I lost both of my parents. My mother was the last one to die of complications from Alzheimer's, right before Thanksgiving. That year, the holidays were not so jolly. There was much mourning, much crying, and much pain. Now, in the years since then, the pain has subsided. I went to seminary three long years. I received my training in chaplaincy. I was ordained, and I'm now a staff chaplain in the medical center doing what I absolutely love to do. And I truly believe that my close experience with my mother's battle with Alzheimer's has allowed me to find a compassion within myself that has helped me to be the chaplain I am. But around this time of year, Little things happen that bring those painful feelings rushing back over me. And there does not seem to be a thing I can do to keep it from happening. Perhaps some of you can relate to this phenomenon. I have learned several things that are true about these little things. First, these little things happen when I least expect them. They can be triggered by almost anything and everything. Some examples, a song, All I Have to Do is Hear White Christmas, sung by Bing Crosby. My parents loved to watch that movie at Christmas time and sometimes force the children to watch it with them. It's talking about somebody's mother. My brother was talking about going to his deceased partner's mother's house for dinner, and all of a sudden I was reminded of my last Christmas dinner with my mother. And it hit me all over again that I would not be able to do that. The third thing is the, probably the least obscure, and it has to do with things that remind you. I saw a bumper sticker on a car as I was leaving the hospital the other day. Of all things, it was the Cub Scout symbol, and it read, Cub Scouts of America. I thought of my mother being a Cub Scout leader and how she permitted me to participate in all the activities they did, along with my brothers. She knew that I was just dying, even at that age, to be a Cub Scout. And all I could think about was that I never got the chance to tell her how much I appreciated that. <clears throat> After each of these times, I had to have a good cry, many times just sitting in my car with the windows rolled up. 
acknowledge that my, I missed my mother very much, and then recompose myself before I could continue on with my day. Danny Mack, a chaplain, who has written and taught on grief, says about these times, the good news is that this wave of grief will eventually go away. The bad news is it will come back again. I now come to the second thing that I've learned about these little things that happen. I really thought, truly I thought, that no one would understand how I felt. I thought I was alone in my grieving. And I felt the same about these little things that come up that no one would understand. But I connected with a support group of others who had recently lost a loved one and found I was wrong. And after learning more about grief as a chaplain, I learned that this is what many people go through who are dealing with a loss. And I found for myself that the more I could reach out and tell people close to me how I was feeling and what I was going through, the easier it was for me. And this brings me to the third and final piece of learning I have done about the little things that happened during the holidays, and that is that God created us to love and to be loved. Chaplain Danny Mack states, because we love greatly, we mourn greatly. If you never loved, you would never grieve. Love and grief are partners. Grieving is the continuation of the love we have for a person who is no longer here. And so, yes, I have mixed feelings during the holidays. I am reminded of my dogs every once in a while at Christmas, and I am reminded of my mother by little things during this time of year, all because I was able to love and to be loved. another story with you, a story that's told about the Buddha. Now, one day there was this woman that had lost her only child, her baby boy. She came to the Enlightened One and she said, oh, please, please, I'm looking for a miracle. Bring, restore my baby to me, bring him back to me. The woman was inconsolable. There was nothing you could do to stop her crying. So the Buddha said to the woman, he said, all right, I want you to go down into the village and I want you to go to each and every home there and I want you to find one home where grief has not touched anyone there, has not touched anyone. And I want you to get a kernel of rice, 
and I want you to bring it back to me. That's all you have to do. The woman left the Buddha, the mountain, hopeful. Surely there's a place where, you know, somebody hasn't been touched by grief. Well, they're little children, of course. They're babies. Surely I'll find some. So obediently, she knocked on every door. The people would invite her in, and they'd share their stories with her. They'd share their lives with her. As you can well imagine, the woman never found a kernel of rice to take back to the Buddha because everyone's life, at some point or another, is touched by loss. It's touched by grief, whether it's loss of a loved one, whether it's loss of a job, whether it's loss of a home, even just by moving from one place to another, we experience loss. The woman didn't have a kernel of rice to take back to the Buddha, but she did have an understanding that she wasn't alone in this, that other people didn't know exactly what she was going through, but the other people knew, could feel, could empathize with exactly what she was going through because they had experienced loss in their lives. Grief, one of the things that I've learned and as in my work, I work as a chaplain as well, is that families and patients will share themselves with you at that particular time in their lives. Their, their guard kind of comes down, and they're willing to say, this is how I know the world. If we show up, and if we listen, you know, I have people pretty well fooled. My job, basically, as a chaplain, is to show up and listen. I went to school, did all that stuff Jonna did, but I don't have to know much of any of it. I just show up and let people tell me about their joy, about their love, about their pain, about what is meaningful, and about what they're going to miss. And they give me this incredible gift each time I just sit down by their bed. Uh, Reverend Christian uh, mentioned sacred doings. When we get there, when we let people be who they are in our lives, and when, they, we let them, when we let ourselves journey with them on life's journey, just for a little while sometimes, we're doing sacred doings. When we came to Houston, we, we found Resurrection MCC. We found all these choirs. We found all these voices and all these people that had their stories. You did sacred doings. You welcomed us into a place when we didn't even know why we were being called to a place or if we weren't even sure if we would be able to stay. Sacred doings is what we do for one another just by showing up and just by listening. How do I know that? Well, look at our example of sacred doing. A baby is who we're talking about now. He's just been born into the world. He can't do anything for himself. Save the world? How's he going to save the world? 
He just lays there. He just lays there. And he lets people come to him. Probably can't even stop people from coming to him. But they come anyway. And he's just there. And they tell him, can I play my drum? We, we, have, we make up stories, and there are some true stories. With, there are stories about, can I play my drum for you? I'm following a star from the east. I was a shepherd watching my flock by night, and I was drawn here. Let me tell you my story, baby. Let me tell you what has happened on my way here. On my way here, Herod said he wanted to kill you, but guess what? I get to be part of your salvation because I'm not going back the same way I came. Listen to the story, baby. I got a, I got a story for you in sacred doings. God wants to meet us. You know, and, and I'm going to hurry. God, we say here that God meets us where we are, but sometimes I think God wants to meet us where God is, where the baby is, to say, I know your pain. I feel your pain. I hear you. Just wait. I'm right here. I'm not going to leave you. Just wait. David, the psalmist said, I waited and I waited and I waited. What does it mean if we can just be there in the moment? Be present and let God move in our lives. Christ didn't stay a baby all his life, but he always listened. He always let others tell their story. It's amazing that the salvation of the world can be in what we do with and for one another just by being with and for one another. As Jonna talked about grief, I'm reminded that grief changes things. It changes our sense of self and our relationships and even our relationship with God. Even when we meet God, we meet God on, in God's space. You know, Jonna talked about how Christmas was and how Santa Claus was. I remember how God was. When I was a kid, um, I grew up in a Baptist church, and there were two pictures on the wall, one of Jesus and one of my grandfather. Jesus, who would the other person be? God. God is a black man with hair much like mine, looks like me, really good looking. It wasn't God, but it was the God I knew. As I grew older, as I became older, as I began to, 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 to learn more about God for myself and have some experiences, God stopped looking like a black man at all and became spirit living inside of a black man. Let, let, let this moment, these moments of grief and of pain, inform how we engage God. It can be, rather than being bound up in, in the pain, Perhaps it can be an incubation-type space where we can grow in relationship with God and with one another. 
Um, there are four candles up here on the, uh, on the altar, on the table. As we want to remember the grief that some of us are feeling, whether it has a reason or we just feel bad about ourselves, we want to recognize that it's very real, that it's very genuine, and that it deserves a voice in this space and in our lives. We spend a lot of time looking good, feeling good, trying, or trying to look good and feel good, and we take the pain and we try to shove it away. Today, with these candles, we'd like to say that yes, we hurt, yes, we grieve, yes, we mourn, and yes, it's okay. That there's not a time limit, there's not a way of doing it, there's not anything that says it's not all right. So today we're going to light these four candles in honor of loved ones that we've lost. We're going to light one for grief, one for courage, one for our memories, and one for our loves. Represents our grief. We own the pain of losing loved ones, of dreams that go unfulfilled, of hopes that evaporate in despair. The second candle represents our courage. It symbolizes the courage to confront our sorrow, to comfort each other, to share our feelings, and to dare to hope in the midst of pain. third candle represents our memories. For the times we laughed together, we cried together, we were angry with each other or overjoyed with each other. We light this candle for the memories of caring and joy we shared together. Fourth candle and last candle represents our love, the love we have given and the love we have received, the love that has gone unacknowledged and unfelt, and the love that has been shared in times of joy and sorrow. During communion, you will be invited to come forward and to light a candle. There are votive candles over on the left and the right side of the sanctuary, which represent our burdens, our grief, our sorrows, and all those things that make Christmas blue for each and every one of us. You may speak the name or you may speak the event that you wish to identify as you light the candle. After you've lit the candle, then you're welcome to go back to your seat. Or if you would like to say a prayer or go to uh, 
spend time with one of our prayer ministers in prayer, you're invited to do that as well. Um, again, there are candles on both sides. As you are led, please feel free to come. Let us pray. Comforting God, wrap us in your presence in this time of remembrance. With these candles, help us to find your light, a light that will guide us day by day, step by step, as, they, as we try to live fully and wholly. We cherish the special way in which we've been touched by loved ones. We thank you for the gift of their lives and what they have been for each of us. Now comfort us, encourage us, empower us with your love. Amen. Amen. Will you join with me in a, a moment of reflection? <clears throat> 